I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thanks so much for joining me as always. Just in case you weren't aware, we do have some live podcasts which are on our YouTube site. The main reason for this was that sometimes the audio podcast gets very busy and people have sort of time-sensitive things they want to chat about, but also it's a way of bringing the community together. It's a chance where we can interact, you can put comments, Q&A for things that are happening in real time. So do check that out. I'll make sure there's a link in the description of this podcast um, and you can click through if that's something you think you might be interested in. Now, today I'm delighted to be chatting to Neil Morgan, and he's a former Director of Sport, Health and RSHE at a secondary school where children's life expectancy ranged by 13 years, depending on what side of the main road outside the school they were born on. This led to Neil being passionate about transforming young people's life chances. Neil has been recognised for his work in reducing obesity, early intervention mental well-being programmes, financial literacy and trauma-informed practice. Since lockdown, Neil has helped over 100 schools across the world implement his Rise Up Early Intervention Mental Wellbeing Programme through his company Future Action. Neil is a trauma-informed practitioner and has created and road-tested the Recover Roadmap to guide P departments how to implement trauma-enforced practice to transform relationships, engagements and tendons, behaviour and learning in the short term and improve their life chances in the long term. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Neil and all the great work that he's doing through his company Future Action. Hi Neil, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's always really important, I think, for me to share the message of not only supporting children when they're in need, but also setting up this idea of giving them the skills and the understanding in order to understand what can help them maybe before issues arise. So I think this is a, it's going to be a really important conversation um, as, well as, as well as a fascinating conversation. Yeah, so thanks so much for being here. Um, hi Mark, thanks, thanks ever so much for having me. So, Future Action, tell me where did the, the genesis of that start and how long has it been in existence? Uh, wow, great question. So, um, I, I'm a director of sport, I've been a PE teacher for 19 years. Um, and in, 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 in that journey that I've been a teacher, I've been really kind of concerned about the decline in children's mental health in that time. Um, and probably about five or six years ago, I was teaching a group of um, year seven girls, so 11 year old girls, and three, three girls were brought into me quite late. And uh, they, were, they were really struggling with kind of uh, just feeling really low and didn't want to engage in PE. Um, and they said they were struggling with their mental health. And um, I had no strategies. I had had nothing to, 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 to give them or offer them as a teacher. And I felt helpless. And they're like, I feel I feel like I was a good teacher. Uh, I am a good teacher, and um, and and it killed me to be honest that I didn't have any strategies. So that that started really where I was looking um, in, into mental health, 
And um, in the school that I was director of sport in, there was a 13-year life expectancy difference, depending on what side of the main road children were born on outside the school. So that was something that when I first found out that 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 statistic, I was I was really angry. I didn't think that was fair. And so everything after that was all around how can I improve children's life chances? So we started off doing some work around reducing obesity. And then we got we, we were recognized by Sheffield Hallam University researchers. They shortlisted us as one of the top five schools out of 250 um, with similar demographics um, and wrote a case study on us for the Department of Health and Social Care, which fed into the government's latest obesity strategy. And then from there, I was like, how can we make these kids um, or how, how can we improve the quality of, the, of life for the, these children rather than just helping them live longer? So um, that's where I really kind of started diving deep into to mental health and early intervention, mental well-being programs. How can we give our children the, the tools that they need so that they can be successful kind of uh, long after they've left school? And um and so we started looking at that as part of our kind of recovery curriculum when I was I was going into schools working with key worker children over lockdown and um straight away there was there was something different about this in terms of practicing mindfulness the link between physical activity and mental well-being um and we got recognized for our for 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 the curriculum we got um awarded the fp quality mark with distinction which was the first first secondary school in norfolk to achieve that um and obviously during lockdown there was a bit more time time on our hands than normal and i started looking at financial literacy as well from a personal situation but also from, from a children's point of view and I thought, why don't why don't I try and put out this program that I've that I've uh, created for for my children in, in in my setting to help help more teachers? So that's kind of where Future Action kind of started, and it's kind of evolved and evolved from there. And we've since then we've worked with over a hundred schools across across the world in a real range of different settings, from top international schools um, in, in Asia to primary schools, secondary, special schools. So um, it, it's been a fascinating journey, really. And so is this sort of standing alongside your teaching or is it just, is it taking up more and more to all your total time now? Yeah, so um, I started off doing it alongside alongside my teaching and then it just got to the point where it, it, was, it, was, it was so big that because that, something had to give. Um, so I'm, I'm now on secondment. I, I, I left school at Christmas this year. I'm now on secondment. I'm currently writing a book on the decline of children's mental health and what schools can do about it um, or co contribute to, to a solution, not, not all on schools. But um, I'm on secondment at the moment and we'll, we'll see what happens. And in terms of that idea of, of what schools can do to help um, children's mental health, because I find this a really fascinating point because, I mean, having had three children going through school you often find that the school setting can not always but can be the reason why their mental health is is in decline in terms of I know my daughter's now currently do GCSEs but I remember she came coming out of school on her first day in secondary school and the first thing they said was how important the GCSEs were um the current year had done really well and it was kind of quite bombarding in terms of that and we were kind of it's your first day you know it's like they've just come from primary school and and you sort of think that sometimes that there's a lot of that maybe unknown and pressure sort of just starts to build and build and build so I'm sort of curious in terms of, of whether that's just an awareness from a school which they can change in terms of some some of the things that they say which immediately makes the atmosphere different which changes the perception which changes the, the mental well-being and understanding of children as opposed to like you say the sorts of things that you're doing which are sort of practically and and direct skills that can help as well yeah certainly um i, th I think as teachers we're 
we're so keen to help young people, but sometimes that that willingness to help help children get GCSEs can 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 lead to us putting pressure onto children um, in unintended ways. And I've spent spent time with um, kind of, a, she's, she's about 19 or 20, a, a young lady that's really suffered with her mental health and had those conversations around how teachers kind of um, inadvertently worsened her condition and um that, that made me think about my own practice because as an ambitious kind of head of pe i really wanted to get top grades to show um to, to help help the young people but also to show what a good department we had as a school and 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 because i knew i was going to be accountable for the for those results as well um so yeah it is something that we need to be mindful but it's so much more complex than, than than just schools itself there's obviously um the impact of social media the impact of covid and, and lockdowns had on our young people um, obviously the academic pressure from schools as well but it's, it's, it's a complex topic but obviously for some children is the academic pressures and and also kind of bullying as well that goes on in school settings that that can cause a real have a real impact on on our young people and so what is it from you sort of have that sort of from 2010 onwards is i guess is social media a really important aspect for that why was that kind of the the sort of the starting point for for that sort of sort of focus that you've decided to look at yeah well i, I was around 2010 i was, I was ahead of, ahead of year in in, a, in another school around that time and um to be honest it, um i had about 160 children in that in that year group and there was about three children that were affected with mental health issues um but as as that time went on it became younger and younger children it became Primarily before it was, it was tended to be girls, but then it tended to become um, both both genders. So there was there was more and more problems. But if you look at the data that's coming out of um, United States in particular, since 2013, when social media was available in kind of on, on mobile phones, easily easily accessible at all times, then um, the kind of suicide rate, self harm in teenage girls has kind of shot through. I think it's about 170 percent for um, 11 to 14 year olds, and around 70 percent for for 15 to 19. 19 year olds and if you look at the unfortunately if you look at the suicide statistics in the uk as well you see that there's been an alarming kind of increase in in teenage girls 15 to 19 um that, that's that, that's kind of increased dramatically since since that time so it's not just social media but it is obviously a key factor in that yeah and like i say those statistics are, are really alarming aren't they and um I think the idea of mental well-being, because it's become more of a focus, it's become more of a phrase, it's become more of a conversation that we're having, that's a really important thing and it's absolutely everywhere. Um, the thing that I find interesting is is that while we're more aware of it and we're talking about it, which is a very positive thing, it's also something which is very easy to sort of label as something I need to fix or something that is uh, is an issue. And I think often what is slightly overlooked is the sense that mental health is just part of our health in the same way as I need to get a bit fitter or, you know, I've hurt my leg playing football and, and it will heal and I can be aware of it and I'm going to adjust my life in order to make that work as well. I think that kind of not living with it but it just being part of who you are is an important starting point to, rather than feeling like you're you're in, in in need of help above and beyond just life happening to you and how you can sort of adapt towards that 
absolutely and that that was the motivation for setting up my program like we wouldn't wait for a child to get obese before we gave give them strategies to look after their physical health but if you look at what happens with with, with mental health or mental illness in particular we wait until there's a problem before we give our young people strategies and that's kind of the the, the challenge that I wanted to take on with my program so we wanted to give frontline teachers tools that they could do to help build a young person's confidence help build their self-kindness how to use their worries as a positive way to, to reduce the anxiety how to give them some aspiration and hope for the future how can we use physical activity to boost mental well-being and how can we access the happiness chemicals when we're feeling low and develop our self-awareness through body scanning journaling that kind of stuff so that we can really be on, on the front foot as much as possible and, and and be really positive and know how to look after ourselves and um just just give them the tools that they can be successful long after they've left school long long after they've left my, my classroom and that that was really the motivation for setting up the program and is everything that we really do and in terms of the program itself you sort of mentioned a few things there that you cover how did you sort of come up with that formula as, as it were because um as we sort of, sort of said already everybody is different so i guess there's going to be certain aspects of these things that are going to work for people and in, in in certain ways and um i i just think that that's that's sort of a really interesting point isn't it is that kind of you sort of you spread out all that information and certain things work for certain people and then that becomes really powerful yeah so um it started off um i listened to a um a podcast on mental fitness over lockdown so that was kind of my starting point looking at self-kindness self-confidence um and worries as a positive but then it's just kind of evolved into a nine-step model really so step one is about introduction to to rise what rise up is um, and then step two is about um, how, how we can identify those students that are struggling, be really proactive as a school. Um, often we wait for students to come to us, but we teach a technique where teachers can, can just check in with children within three minutes every lesson. Um, and just find out where children are and then go and have your one-to-one -one conversations that you need to and refer them on to mental health support teams or your internal school counsellors. Then we look at step three is around self-awareness, looking at um, body scanning and journaling. And we find that some children love that. Some children love body scanning and hate journaling and vice versa. Um, and that that's really interesting. And like you say, it's about personal choice and taking the tools that work for you and, and ignoring the rest. And that, that's absolutely fine. That's what we encourage. Um, and and then step four is around self-confidence, self-kindness. Step five is around worries as a positive and um, create, uh, creating a, a vision and having that aspiration around different aspects of your future. And again, it's not essential that children know that, but to start thinking about that or different aspects of their life that they are really into can, can give them hope and give them, give them a focus and something to work towards. Um, and then step six is around healthy habits, like um, how can we improve sleep? How can we improve or increase exercise, nutrition, um, hydration, practicing mindfulness, getting a balance of social media usage. And then step seven looks at how to access the four happiness chemicals. So dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. And then step eight, we move up into whole school and how, how we can have impact. And the program shows 10 different ways to, to have impact, whether that's in RSHE, PE, um, form times, uh, staff wellbeing programs. There's a, there's a whole range of options there. And then in step nine, it's about celebrating success and about how we can celebrate the student's success to build their confidence, how we can celebrate teacher's success and how we can celebrate what the school's doing um, at a wider level to, to, to boost numbers on role as it's becoming a really important factor for parents when, when selecting secondary schools. And I think for me that there, there are two sides to, to this coin 
both of which are, are important. Um, I certainly know from experience that when children are struggling, things like the arts, things like drawing, like say a mindfulness, are suddenly in a really important part of the of the process which you're encouraged to do. I then find it slightly amazing that a lot of these creative endeavors are a lot less in schools than they would be and like you said that kind of making sure that you know we're setting up a, a successful way of learning and a successful way of being is really important so I'm all for sort of a, a, a wide curriculum so that people can use those skills and understand how they are so on one side we want to try and create an environment which is supportive for children to give them the skills they need the understanding they need so like say they, they've got a mix of of the academic and the social the, the understanding of who they're surrounding themselves with and like say an idea of where they might like to to go in the future and, and how that might fit with where they are now but then that's fine as long as you have that environment that you actually have the ability to control which of course as a younger person you don't always have that aren't you so I love the fact that what you're doing is giving everyone in whichever point they sort of come at this their own personal ability you know I can journal you know I can decide to look at this I can understand that if I'm going to eat this rather than that it's going to make a difference and I think once you have that personal power and you understand how that's going to make a difference to you then that whole sort of perspective about how life can progress going forward, like I say, depending on where you are, either side of the road, that's the same for everyone then, as long as you've got that information, like I say, at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. And we, we really encourage schools to implement it in a way that best suits their individual needs and their setting. Um, and we encourage children and, and teachers on, on the course to take what, what fits for them and, and discard what doesn't fit for them. Um, and in terms of how that's delivered, is it a question of, of going into school? Is it a question of uh, being online? Sort of what's that sort of practical way that people engage with it? Yeah, so it's an online teacher training course. So what we do is, is the, the course is broken up into about 25 short short videos and, and teachers can watch bits of, uh, uh, as they like. The, the um, program comes with editable resources. So teachers can edit the resources, tweak them to meet their school's needs, put their school logos on it, whatever they need. Because as, as a teacher, I was kind of fed up with getting great resources but they're being pdfs and you, you end up wasting your time and we know how precious teachers times are that they, they work incredibly hard they do an amazing job and don't get the credit that they deserve so it's all about trying to make this this course as accessible as possible um and the the, the other part is um we've all been on brilliant training courses where you go down to london for the day have a fantastic day out and then you come to uh to d deliver the content about four months later and you, you've got the key bits and stuff so the like the 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 access to the courses for a year or and then teachers can can click on their individual lesson they're about to deliver the kind of the next day and they can watch a 10 minute video just to recap um so it's, it's it's really been designed with with teachers in mind because so many times i think we get this great information that isn't delivered to teachers in a way that is accessible to them or in 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 kind of the, the short quick style that teachers need because they're they're, they're under so much time pressure yeah, and I hear a lot in in a really positive way that when these solutions are coming about, they're coming about by people who are in the trenches. Is it's not the right terminology, but it's that you know you know what it's like to be a teacher. You are a teacher. You know you've got the experience of being in a school. You've seen it from like say a head of department through to then having to sort of deal with a situation where you don't feel equipped. And so finding those solutions from that real sort of hands-on practical experience, it brings all of those answers to the fore in, in a way which is very natural to you but like I say then speaks to all those people who are in the same situation 
Yeah, absolutely. Our tagline is made for teachers by by teachers. And obviously we get expert advice um, coming into that from mental health specialists. But that's that's the key key thing that we want to do is 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 provide teachers with the tools that so that they feel equipped um, and, and, and ready to take on these challenges. And how does it kind of work in terms of getting people aware of it is it a question of sort of reaching out and asking people are people actively like like in your situation i'm, I'm looking for answers and, and you're able to sort of provide it from that standpoint yeah so we provide a weekly blog around different topical to, topical issues um concerning teachers so i think uh, today's blog is around um how to uh, reduce exam worries and anxiety um by creating a plan and um we, we've got a school well-being scorecard as well so uh teachers can complete that within three minutes they know the areas where they're strongest in whether that's um habits whether that's physical activity linked to mental well-being or whether that's whole school impact um and fr from that they can try our taste of course um and go from there so so really it's a, a case of that we we've, we've never done any paid advertising but what we did do is we, we got funding from Norfolk County Council and they 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 provided the course for every secondary school in in Norfolk and special school and within four weeks we had 62 out of 76 schools sign up um, and it's just kind of um, kind of blossomed from there really and you sort of mentioned that you've worked with schools like say locally from that point of view but then sort of internationally as well do you have to kind of change what you're offering depending on on those sort of geographic situations or is it the fact that we're really talking about human to human interaction and human perspectives that actually that's sort of a global and, and, and a human support rather than a particular sort of cultural support yeah the, the program has been designed deliberately so that it's flexible so that teachers can adapt it to meet the needs of their learners so um we're, we're not a program that says you must deliver it like this we're giving teachers a, a wide range of options we do a wide number of case studies as well about how different schools have applied it and then we want to empower teachers so that teachers can deliver it in a way that they feel comfortable and a way that that, that meets their needs the best and I guess that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? Because like I say, the more feedback you've got from that point of view and the more things you can see, the, the more people coming at it from different angles can see really clearly how that's going to, how it can be adapted for, for like I say, that their best use. Yeah, we, we've got some fantastic case studies that you can see on our website um, of, of different schools that have, that have applied it in, in different ways. Like in my own school, I applied it in 10 different ways um, from sports sanctuaries to, to help children co-regulate to, to form times to staff wellbeing programs. Obviously, PE was, was my speciality and that's that's an area we really focus on, that link between physical activity and mental wellbeing. Yeah, and I think that's the really key aspect for me often when, when we sort of talk about this area of, of, of sort of importance in life is is where it comes in to that contact point with any given student. Like say, whether it's a, a dedicated class, whether it's something within full time, form time where you can have that conversation and, and get these things going or like say, within your particular speciality. And I think that's, a, that's really key at the moment, especially as we're in this sort of journey of, we're talking about it a lot and it's something that we're exploring, but it's not an integral part of 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 education which then everything else branches out of which i guess probably is where it will hopefully end up in the future because it has to start with the individual person and then the rest of learning sort of comes from that really yeah absolutely i think um if we were to uh rewrite the PE or rewrite the whole school curriculum now i think uh it might look, might look different to the the model that it's kind of evolved into over over the over the years and that's certainly something that i feel really passionately particularly around 
kind of mental health, mental well-being, but also around financial literacy. Like I think I see you look at the maths curriculum and like every child, every child needs to know how to manage money. And it's something that schools don't do particularly well. And it, it hurts young people and it hurts teachers as well. So um, and, and the credibility of the school system. So, yeah, I think that, that there's certainly some some work that we need to do to kind of evolve the, the, the whole school curriculum. And and just take us into that sort of financial literacy side as well. Does it sort of work sort of hand in hand with with the the well being side of it, or is it something which is obviously like you said you mentioned you start, started thinking about during lockdown and how it's affecting you and and people? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I came across Swarbrick's eight dimensions of well being, and these are kind of like eight factors that that, that impact on on well being and and finance finan financial education is is definitely part of it if you look at again suicide rates in in this country like the financial or economic situation is a key part on that with um a high percentage of 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 people dying by by intentional self harm is 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 um very often dependent on their 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 socioeconomic status and their financial situation so i i think that's a big thing and obviously with the what's going on in the economy at the moment um and that that was an area that i really started to focus on i, I, I took over rshe because i wanted to have a greater say on on mental well-being and, and and financial literacy and we did some really interesting work and when i was teaching the children around financial literacy they were they were stunned by how how simple it was compared to what they were being taught in maths um and they were like why why aren't we being taught this and uh it, it is is something that kind of astounds me that we don't do a lot more on and i think that's the the beauty isn't it when you're when you're shown it and when it's explained to you and you can then see it in your life you can see how it might affect you going forward and also from a positive standpoint you know if i'm going to want to step into the world that I want to live as I get older then like say finance is going to be an integral part of that and and again it's about that pre well, not prevention but even just setting yourself up you know if I want to be going to college if I want to be going to university if I want to set up my own business if I want to get something as a side hustle going on I need to understand how all these things work and, and how I can put myself in that sort of best foot forward absolutely and that that was one of the reasons that i i, I wanted to take uh, have a go at future action was actually if i'm going to be teaching financial literacy and about entrepreneurship and business then i've got to be i've got to be doing it myself i never throughout the, my 19 years of teaching and my, my my philosophy was always never ask children to do anything that I wasn't prepared to do myself really so so that was kind of an experiment a sideline that's kind of grown into something bigger and we we got recognized actually by ii um i got runners up as a personal finance teacher of the year last year um which raised the school or earned the school about four thousand pounds in in terms of prize money so so um and i, I think there's there's quite easy ways to approach it that can that, that we can make a difference for young people particularly from low socioeconomic areas like i was working in just to give them give some give them the tools to have a chance because let's face it the education or the current current climate isn't set up for social mobility massively um in a way that maybe it was 15 20 years ago yeah and and i'm curious as a as like i say someone with sort of 19 years experience as a teacher how was that kind of stepping into the entrepreneur world as it were was it what you expected was it completely different than you expected and was, what was that sort of experience like um it was it was re in, 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 it was invigorating to be honest a fresh challenge um and to be honest teachers we're selling our ideas all the time aren't we as we, we we're trying to get engage the class and get them to buy into what we're trying to teach them and try and get them to do their homework so there's a lot of crossover actually if you if you think about it so um 
So, and I think if you're so passionate about a subject like I am around mental well-being, then it just kind of takes over your life without you even noticing, really. And <laughs> and you just go for it, like like you've done an incredible job on your podcast and growing that. Then it's just it just becomes a real passion. And this mental health, mental well-being, um, improving children's life chances has become that passion for me. Um, particularly in the 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 school that I worked in, um, just seeing it on a day-to-day -day basis. There was just a real passion in me once I found out about that 13 year life expectancy difference was right. How can I have a real impact on these children's lives? And just specifically on that point, what was it about that sort of either side of the road? Is it just in, in terms of the different types of areas? It just sort of within that sort of local community in, in terms of sort of the sort of social setup, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. There's um, that's kind of the most affluent area in Norwich um opposite opposite kind of the the least affluent area so if you look at the data for the wards um there's a 13 year life expectancy depending on what what side the main road at, right outside the front of the school children were born on and we tended to serve the children from the lower socioeconomic area um like i said like the, the the system's not really set up for them to be successful there's probably more chance of those children going to prison than university at the moment um so so my job i, I saw it as a real kind of as a father with two young children was how how do i how do i give these children the tools that i can or as many as we can to to make a difference and it's a really marked distinction, isn't it? Like you say, when there's literally a road and you're sort of right at, at, at sort of the cutting edge of that, literally, in terms of being able to see both of the, both of those things. I find, I find it fascinating. I can certainly relate to what you were saying about that kind of sort of when you're sort of that passion coming through and you could almost you could almost work twice as many hours as you would in another way and, and still feel like you've got more to give which is which is I, I think a really important thing for people to hear sometimes you know while your mental well-being is important and understanding how what you do fits into that in terms of like say sleep and nutrition and all those sorts of things there's just something about a life energy that comes through something when you're able to give in that way and, and share those things which is difficult for some people I think who haven't done it to understand when it's very much just I'm just going to work or I'm just doing what I do all the time and, and I think maybe even having those sorts of conversations not about entrepreneurship necessarily but in terms of actually being able to to live your true life in, in terms of what that passion is that sort of changes the um, trajectory of where you want to go even before you know where that that direction might be. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we can raise aspirations for as many young people as we can and, and show them a step to how they can go about achieving their goals, I think that that's a really important life skill. And it, some, sometimes as teachers, we assume that people know that, but but we don't. We we need to teach them about small steps and and just just moving forward. Can you take a step here? Can you take another step? Can you take a next step? Um, and just try and keep them on the right right path. And again, sport, physical activity, PE, music—they're all great vehicles for engaging young people and helping them find success. Because again, let's face it, our our education system isn't set up for all people to be successful in. And if we can give as many young people the opportunity to be successful, whether that's in PE or music or drama as well then uh, as well as the academic success then then that can only be a great thing we want young people leaving leaving education feeling that like they got a great experience that they could they're, they're confident individuals that can go on and believe in themselves and be successful what, what whatever they want to go on um even if if it's not down the academic route and we talk a lot about community 
and and I think when you have the child at the heart of that, like say you have your school community, you have your home life, you have maybe it's extracurricular things. Like say maybe the football comes from a football club rather than in school or whatever the, the situations are. Everyone has an important key role to do it, and it's very easy to start to label where the information should come from you know it's that kind of okay so schools doing the academic you know the will look after the children at home or will give you the option to do this here but of course that's different for everybody you know it may be kids have a fantastic home life and they're getting so much of the education you'd hope they get at home it might be they don't have any of that at all and it may be that you'd hope that a lot of these things are happening in school but they're not because the systems aren't in place like you say or they're geared in a certain way and they don't have access or they've not heard about future action and they've not been able to bring those 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 sorts of things in so it is everyone taking responsibility i think and then that way we can make sure that every child gets the information where they can get it and hopefully like i say they they can then take responsibility and move that forward yeah absolutely and i think with kind of the, the, the cuts in, in wider community services over kind of the last 10, 10, 15 years and more and more of that responsi responsibility has fallen onto schools. Um, and that's become really tricky, especially against a backdrop of um, budget cuts. But I think schools do an incredible job in, in terms of providing that cultural capital as much as possible. And the pastoral teams see some brilliant, I visit some brilliant schools. I'm now an education consultant for, for PE Scholar and I, I get to visit lots of great schools lots of schools that are doing their real best for children in, in really tr tricky situations and um, well, I take my hat off the te teachers are absolute heroes in my eyes in, in terms of what they do on a day in day out basis and um, it's, it's not an easy time to be a teacher at the moment and people people are working incredibly hard and, and, and I was trying to position the teacher as a hero about kind of the great stuff that they do on a day-to-day -day basis. I think I, re I really value that and, and here at Future Action we, we, we're, we're big fans of teachers and what, what they're trying to do. And I think also the more teachers hear that and, and feel like the important people in the world are understanding what they're doing, because I think that's often the hard part, isn't it? It's, you know, when there's a, a government or, or people in authority that are basically sending a message that maybe you're not doing the best job that you can or or you're not getting the funding that you should do and all, all that sort of stuff, which is a whole different podcast, I know. But uh, um it's very hard not to sort of get on that slippery slope. So to sort of hear people within the profession, people supporting the profession to really kind of, we really get what it is. We really understand what you're doing. And it's not just about what you're doing in the classroom. It's the conversations outside of the classroom. It's, it's you know, having what we can do for every given child. Then then that's empowering. And that, well, that's the reason I sort of started the podcast was that, some, you know, a teacher who maybe doesn't feel that in their particular setting, maybe they hear it from somebody else or they can find that support or they can they can go and speak to their senior leadership and say, ah, there's a program here. You know, we can do something about this. We can actually make this happen in a way that maybe we didn't think we could because it wasn't on our radar before. Um, and and I, I think that's um, it's incredibly important. But I think it's also um, a self-fulfilling prophecy, like I say. So to change that kind of focus of what we believe and what is possible and, and have a, like I say, a profession which is able to think we can make a difference here and actually sort of grow into what we believe education can be. You know, some things we don't have the, the ability to do, but you're a shining example of I didn't have what I needed here and I've been able to create it and that's affected people immediately in my school. But then, like I say, across the world, then you can see how education is going to change and morph organically in, in, a, in a way which I guess goes full circle. So like we said, you know, you do the bits that you can do and then that makes an impact on the rest of the world.
Yeah, definitely. And there have been so many great solutions come in, particularly in the PE world that, that, that I occupy. People like Lee Sullivan, his PE in crisis, been, been a fantastic book that's made a real difference around creating meaningful PE. Again, Phil Math, Happiness Factories, like there's some there's some great work. And I think as, as educators, if we can kind of put our different ideas forward, then then hopefully we can all learn from each other and, and, and create an education system that, that, that meets every every child's individual needs, I think certainly with my education i felt like education was done to me rather than in partnership and um like i, w I went to a fantastic school on friday it was a, it's a specialist school for for children with autism and the head teacher was just incredible in terms of a personalized curriculum and and um just the, the experience that these children were getting and i think in a kind of a, a post-lockdown education world where let's face it in a lot of schools behavior has become trickier relationships have become harder progress has been been harder for for a lot of places that that sometimes we we need to look at like and, and don't get me wrong schools do an incredible job in a really tricky situation at the moment but how can we really involve children in their in their education and personalize that curriculum as much as possible where possible to to meet the needs of our young people and in terms of you sort of touched on it there about sort of education being taught to you rather than with you kind of thing is there sort of a specific situation or a specific teacher that you remember that had an impact and I guess that may be both sides of that coin you know positive or, or kind of realizing that actually it's the the reverse of that yeah I, I think that was that was one of the reasons why um, I wanted to become a teacher was because I had a fantastic experience at primary school and, and middle school was pretty good and I went to secondary school um, and uh to be honest, it was pretty uninspiring. It was pretty, pretty hard. It was, it was a tough time for me. And don't don't get me wrong, it wasn't just my teacher's fault. I, I wasn't great either. Um, but I certainly felt like um, that education could could have been better, could have been more inspiring for me. And um, there was the, the curriculum in places wasn't wasn't ideal for me personally I'm, I'm sure it I'm sure it was good for others but there was one teacher that really made a huge difference to me he was a PE teacher um he was, he was he had quite quite a mixed perception in the school but I was I was quite a sporty kid and he he really believed in me he could see see what I could be in the future before I could see it um I wasn't particularly confident at school I didn't have great self-esteem um but he really pushed me to achieve and and got the very best out of me he gave up so much of his time for for clubs and fixed we used to play so many fixtures on a Saturday morning back then. Um, but he, he really, really was kind of a life-changing person for me. And I really liked what you said there about someone seeing who you could be before you can see it yourself. And I think that's massive, isn't it? Because like you say, depending on your experiences and, and, and how you perceive yourself based on that, it can be very different than the person from the outside who's got that extra experience in terms of age and also like I say just general world wisdom and that sort of thing seen enough children going through the system to know ah there's something about you in this particular area which I know just with a little bit of guidance can just revolutionize where where you may go but also how you feel about it yourself yeah absolutely I think I didn't have that as a child really massively in, in terms of what I could be and I think as a teacher I've tried to do that as often as I can say like actually you could do really well in this area or I see you doing this and I, I believe in you I care about you I, I trust you I think that's so powerful when an adult says that to a child I think it, it fills that young person up full of confidence and um, really makes a difference and that that's kind of the teacher I've tried to be obviously he'll make mistakes over the years but that that was that was the teacher I was trying to be that 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 teacher that can make a difference in young person's lives yeah really really inspiring and 
if you had to give yourself some advice now or looking back <laughs> as, 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 a, as a more mature Neil or, or indeed is there a particular piece of advice that you have been given um, what, what would you like to share in that regard um, I'd say trust yourself and make the most of every opportunity uh, again like when I was talking about my school days it certainly wasn't just my school's fault or my teacher's fault it was it was, it was equally mine if not more but um, just make the most of every opportunity and that's what I've really tried to do particularly in, in my adult life and over the last four or five years in particular with with having a go at setting up future action like I didn't know whether it would take off or not but I've just I try to have a go and uh, every person I try and come across I try and give as much value back as possible so again that would be an advice a, a bit of advice I'd give to to myself as a younger person is every person you come across can you try and help them can you try and give them a bit of value um, because they'll 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 bat for you in, in return when you when you need them and I think for me as well sometimes it's that sense of <clears throat> it's very easy to to feel like life can be going against you or everything's a struggle for whatever reason and I think as soon as like you said you've got someone who's backing you and they're showing you the way but also when you kind of feel like there's an opportunity here and life is actually helping me it might be difficult it might be a, a situation I'm unfamiliar with but it's showing me something that I can step into which is going to maybe be successful or maybe it's the, it's the learning curve that I need to do something else which you don't know yet but just that mindset changes not just your outcomes, but your your mental well-being and your understanding of life, which just has a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, which means that you always feel like you're being supported. And, and that really is a fantastic thing, because I think without you even knowing the difference, it affects not just you, but all the people around you as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think just having that person that believes in you, cares about you, knows you as a person um, is, 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 is hugely powerful. And uh, I think that, that that can make a real difference to a young person. And is there a resource you'd like to share? And it can be anything personal or professional from a podcast, video, song, film, book, but something something you'd like to share that's that's had that impact. Um, well, when I was thinking about this question, there's there's so many that have kind of, I've taken the key lesson from that and then built on the next one and built on the next one. So there's, there's nothing in particular. Like I said, I listened to a brilliant Mental Fitness Pyramid um, podcast at the start of lockdown by Adam Morris. Um, from Believe Perform that was, that was fascinating around self, self-confidence, self self-kindness, using worries as a positive. But alongside that, I was also looking at financial literacy at the time. And a guy who's become a really great mentor to me now called Kevin Whelan wrote a book called Seven Pillars around financial literacy. And again, like those, those two have kind of combined to help me get to 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 what I've been, been doing at the moment. But from from when you look at young people as well, if you taught them about mental fitness, if you taught them about financial literacy, then there's two areas of life that they're really gonna really gonna be successful in. So, so yeah, take try and take a look at them. Wealth Builders is is the website. There's a free book, The Seven Pillars, um, but that that that's really good. And then if you, if you have a look at Believe Perform website as well, that that's really interesting. Yeah, and we'll have links to all of that on the show notes so if, uh, people can just click click through those. And I really like what you mentioned there in terms of picking out certain things from certain situations or certain bits of information that you that you come across because then it's not just about, ah, oh, I'm... I need to do all of this because it's in the book or it's in in the in the process that I'm learning. It's about what bits of the application. It may be you do absolutely everything, or it may be I've taken this one thing, but it's the implementation and it being part of your life rather than just the the sort of the passive side of it, which I think is something which is certainly for me has been a big sort of game changer. You know, take it on board, do it, put it into action. Don't just be aware of it. Like I say, go out and and build it as, <laughs> as, as, as you've done, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. 
yeah, I think it's so important to take action. We, we can't just have all this information. We have to take action on it. And that's that's where future action comes from. It's about taking action to create a better future. That's, that's the whole, whole name of the business. And finally, the acronym education or from education on fire is obviously really important. And by that, we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience and empowerment. What is it that strikes you when, when you hear those words or, or, or what kind of immediately sort of takes your interests? Yeah, I thought about this in terms of people, like in terms of resilience, my dad, my dad was born in poverty in, in Ireland, one of nine kids. He left, had to leave Ireland at 16 to find work. He went over to England and then Australia, he became a policeman and, and um, now he represents England in masters marathons around the world, age 73. And he, he's been an awesome dad and he's an incredible granddad to my, my children. And he's just been a brilliant role model for me in terms of just regardless of your age just keep investing in yourself keep trying to get better um it's fine to be a late developer and, and just just keep cracking on and I, I think of myself as a late developer in terms of what 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 i've done like i don't feel like i made the most of my education but i feel like i'm really investing in my own education now and i've probably grown more in the last three to five years than than, than the previous 30 35 and then when i think about empowerment there was a lady called penny lamb who accepted me onto the pgce at university of ea um, of East Anglia and even on that day I knew it was a life-changing moment for me to become a teacher I knew it was gonna really take me from kind of working as a claims handler in an insurance office in Bury St Edmunds to, to really changing my life for the better so she she's really empowered me and then in terms of inspiration a brilliant guy Richard Stockins he's, he's a mentor of mine now but he was a director of sport at a, a secondary school in Great Yarmouth and he built the whole school around PE in the, in the days of sports colleges and he was a real inspiration to me and um, and like thankfully he's, he's, he's one of my best mates now but but he was a real inspiration to me and that, that was my ambition in, in my PGCE year was to become a director of sport and um, achieve that some, some years ago and that, that's that's really kind of helped me in terms of how you can shape a school around the power of PE and then more recently um, Kevin Whelan has become my, kind of my next mentor around developing the business and has empowered me so there's some four real key people that have, that have been huge in my life and hopefully I want to kind of pass that 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 gift on to someone else and, and help mentor them them and help help support that whether that's a child of taught or a colleague that's gone on to to become a head of PE then then hopefully I can empower others like I've, I've been fortunate enough to benefit from 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 those people yeah I love that and I love that sort of practical um awareness of like say just that the, they're just words but actually so much more than that they're actually the reality of what makes you who you are and that in, interrelationships between the people and what they're able to offer and vice versa what you're able to to offer back as well and I, and I and I certainly love the, that idea of, of that paying it forward in, in terms of you know it's it's what you can give to the next person rather than having to you know, you're always grateful for the people that have helped you but it's, it's it's that continuation of the cycle I think which is how we all grow and how everything develops and, and that's a really 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 important thing so well Neil thank you so much for sharing all of this it's it's fascinating and such such important conversations I think and, and hopefully there are people who not only have thought ah there's something here which I can add to my armory something that I can do or a way of being so tell people where they can find out more about future action and how they can get in touch 
Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, thank you for having me, Mark. Um, if, if people go to futureaction.co.uk, we've got a load of taster resources there. You can try our online taster course for free. Um, we've also got um, weekly blogs that you can subscribe to. We've got the school wellbeing scorecard. Um, so we've, we've tried to put as many taster resources in, in, an, in an area for, for teachers to access as, as much as possible. We're also doing some really interesting work around trauma-informed PE um, and how we can help help uh, kind of teachers kind of transform Transform their relationships and help young people recover from trauma um, to, to have an impact on attendance, progress, behaviour um, in that as well. So keep an eye out for that as well, please. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for all the work you're doing on behalf of everyone who's listening and and for all those people who are who are yet to get the benefit because you can just tell that as it grows, it's going to affect more people, both from the teaching side and also from the pupil side. And that can only be a positive thing. Yeah. So thanks for all the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for having me and um, I hope our listeners enjoyed this. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.